When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, welcome back. So this is sort of a podcast video uh, reply to to another video that was put out there by the channel Yankee Stacking, who is now in his uh, second year of existing as a YouTube channel. He actually hit that milestone back at some point in August. I was actually uh, one of the individuals that sort of encouraged and, and helped him to to start his channel in the first place. So it's great to see him continue to put out great content. And the title of his video is very similar to this. Uh, Millennials will be screwed in the next recession, in parentheses, it's a silver stacking struggle. And, and I wanted to make a reply to that because as a whole, I, I do agree. Even as a millennial myself, millennials will be screwed in the next recession. Now, I do want to take this a step further. And I want to turn this into a bit of a mini series. And, and over the coming weeks, I want to come out with two additional videos uh, talking about why Gen Xers as well as baby boomers will also be screwed for slightly different reasons in the next recession. And why I think Gen Z, the the you know 20 and under age group, is actually not that bad of a position uh, because they have some time to adapt, much more time to adapt than, I guess, the rest of us. Now, a quick reminder, I am a millennial myself, 24 years old, on the somewhat younger side of, of that spectrum. But I do have quite a bit of exposure to millennials as a whole and, and kind of the situation we're in and kind of the spectrum of situations that we're in ranging from from individuals that I think are going to fare very well because of the skills, both both tangible and intangible skills and qualities that they have uh, worked on over the years, as well as those that have accumulated a ton of fairly worthless skills and, and qualities, at least in terms of economic survivability or viability. But as a whole, like I said, I do think millennials are screwed in the next recession. I want to go point by point on this following Yankee stacking and given my thoughts on, on some of his different uh, points as to why he had four different points as to why we'll be screwed in the next recession and give some of my own insight into that. And the first one that he put up was debt, that millennials as a whole are uh, saddled with a, a, a large amount of debt. Uh, I think he said on average 42000 a large amount of which is is a high interest rate debt in the form of credit card debt. But there's also considerable amount in, in things like housing debt, car or auto loan debt, and of course, student loan debt. Is debt a problem for millennials? Yeah, it is. And, and if anything, I think it's a larger problem for millennials than it is other generations because of that student loan piece of it. Now, yes, Gen Xers and even baby boomers have student loan debt. But the problem with, with such a large proportion of millennial debt being student loan debt is that it, it doesn't have any tangible collateral, if that makes sense. Not to mention that it is a, a government uh, program. Most of that student loan debt is, is funded by the government. It's very difficult to get rid of it through bankruptcy or other means for the time being. Uh, there's some forgiveness programs out there, public service loan forgiveness programs, for instance, for some uh, healthcare workers and whatnot. But as a whole, it's, it's very difficult to get out from under that. And, and that's different from, let's say, 
a mortgage debt, right? I mean, worst case scenario, you can foreclose on your house, but you can get out from under that. Same thing goes for, for auto loan debt. I mean, that can be repossessed. Uh, your car can, and that's by no means a best case scenario. But with the student loan debt, you have nothing to to show for other than a a degree. And I think that I I want to take some time to address that topic right there. Student loan debt and college degrees, and as a whole, what professions, what what groups of millennials I think are going to be in the best and worst position heading into the next recession. I think those that are in the best position. Is, is not necessarily those with the least amount of college loan debt. I think that there will be some with a very large amount of college loan debt that are going to be just fine. I'm talking those that got degrees in the STEM fields, science, technology, engineering, uh, and, and I think mathematics. But but another one, sometimes I just refer to them as, as medicine or, or healthcare. Uh, those groups of individuals, uh, nurses, doctors, engineers, uh, uh, people in, in certain parts of the tech field, all of that are going to be in pretty decent shape, despite the fact that many of them required a four-year degree or a master's or a doctor's degree, such as myself in a physical therapy. And the reason for that is because those degrees, those jobs, especially things like healthcare and even engineering and whatnot, are still going to be in demand. Uh, and, and those degrees, despite their, their enormous cost, because of the massively inflated cost of college, still offer a fair bit of, of value. Now, as a whole, I really wish college would make some, some the, the college uh, uh, system in the United States would make some changes moving closer and closer to the, the trade school uh, model of, of doing things. If, if you want to go to a trade school to, to get a degree or, or whatever in welding or, or fixing cars, you know, be a mechanic or, or construction or whatever, uh, you know, some sort of a two-year degree or, or abbreviated program. The amount of extraneous work and courses that you need to take is pretty minimal. I'm talking about what are referred to as electives and gen ed degrees. So I'll give you an example. I have an undergrad in exercise physiology. It's a prerequisite for a, a PT program uh, that I'm, I'm currently kind of wrapping up right now, physical therapy. And inside of that, I had a ton of very valuable foundational knowledge for the healthcare field as a whole. I'm talking about things like exercise phys- physiology, strength and conditioning, nutrition, as well as more basic stuff that is very necessary to understand, like chemistry, biology, physics, etc. However, as part of that four-year degree, there was a ton of extraneous information that I did not really need. And, and I could have very easily gained elsewhere. Uh, primarily, I'm talking through the internet and just through interactions with people. I'm talking about courses and things like like uh, history or, or, or art or whatever. Uh, classes that, yeah, maybe I gained some some intangible value from, but, but value that I argue would argue uh, could be better attained through just normal living for a couple of years while you're going through through college, through these courses, and, and through you know engagement and, and, and other types of higher learning because the internet is such a, a valuable f- place for, for those things these days on places like YouTube or through podcasts or through websites or whatever. And I would argue that the value, the intangible value is, is just not worth a, the very tangible cost, dollars, 
right? Uh, and, and yet that is, you know, the, the case for many four-year programs that you have to go through all these other extraneous courses. And, and that's just sort of my soapbox. You know, I do wish the college system would make some changes there. And yeah, we overpaid for our degrees, including myself, my grad degree, my undergrad degree. Uh, now, I mean, at some point, I, I didn't make that realization until I was partway through my undergrad degree. And I got more involved in things like precious metals and, and more financially aware. And at that point, it was sort of like, I, I need to finish this up rather than uh, it just stop now, right? Because otherwise, it would, really would be a worthless uh, education because I won't have the, the degree to go along with it. Uh, however, there is some value in quite a bit of that. And, and additionally, I think there is a ton of value. I'm talking dollars to actual tangible value in things like trade uh, uh, professions, the trades, right? And, the, and that's a, a broad category of, of, of professionals, uh, whether it be, as I said, things like welding or, or electricians, uh, uh, plumbers or whatever it might be. And, and, and oftentimes these are more non-traditional. Sometimes they're two-year degrees. Sometimes they're shorter. Sometimes they're on the job training, but a ton of value because those things are, are unlikely to be highly automated in the coming years even the coming decades. And yes, a recession is going to decline, uh, cause a decrease in demand for say things like electricians or whatnot. But as a whole, they're going to be in a pretty good spot. Now, those that are going to be in the worst spot are either A, those that are in unskilled professions or unskilled jobs right now and and don't have any uh, education. Uh, and, and those that... Uh, have gotten a very expensive ed- education, but haven't gained a whole lot of value from it. So those two categories of people, I'm talking about individuals that work in, in very basic service jobs, unskilled, uh, what we call unskilled. You, you learn skills, you learn people skills and whatnot from, from working as a bartender, as a, as a waitress, as a, I don't know, a Walmart, uh, 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 you know, working at a register stock or whatever. Yeah. But it's, you know, I think it'd be insufficient to to really boost your your long term economic viability uh, in the future. And and don't get me wrong, I don't think a college degree or a trade degree is necessary to survive this next recession. Uh, but if you don't have one, you have to further yourself in some other way. Whether that's becoming an entrepreneur, starting your own business that doesn't require some sort of degree or something like that, right? Uh, or or in some other way, make a, a name for yourself or gain ex- valuable experience and, and some sort of valuable skill, right? Because as I said, you know, a lot of these service jobs are largely, you know, unskilled. And then there's the other category of individuals that, that graduated college with a very expensive degree with not a whole lot of value, right? The, the classic medieval history uh, major. But, but I think it goes beyond that, right? Medieval history is, is pretty worthless in a recession, and, and there's, there's going to be jobs out there, but very few, and many of them are, are already going to be taken. However, you know, I think that we need to broaden that category beyond just those very niche uh, degrees, you know, art and whatnot, or, or history, right? Philosophy. Uh, all of those, I think, are, are, are going to lack value. Even things like, like psychology and whatnot, I think, are going to lack a fair bit of real value. Uh, but but also other degrees like uh, marketing and, and business and whatnot. I mean, the the world has advanced so much in 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 the last 
few years, last decade, that a lot of those degrees are not offering a whole lot of value beyond what somebody could gain through experience and through their own self-directed learning. I mean, look at myself, okay? I have no degree whatsoever in business or economics or anything of that like. And yet, I can fluently speak to to a whole lot of economic uh, um, topics, right? Now, granted, I don't know the hard theory as well as, as an economics professor or a graduate student or anything like that, right? Uh, I, I can't walk you through the different points of all of the schools of economics. I know a rough idea and actually a pretty good idea of, of things like Keynesianism and, and Austrian school of economics and whatnot. But beyond that, yeah, not so much. But I have a lot of practical understanding of it, pragmatic understanding of economics or business or, or marketing and whatnot. And and that was through self-directed learning and, and, and a bit of experience and, and many years, right? And that type of value, it didn't cost me a whole lot. It took some time and that's about it. It's something I was interested in. And yet people are paying a, a, a very pretty penny for a four-year degree and all sorts of those uh, um, fields. And it's just not worth it, I think. And, and by the way, this video is going to go much, much longer than Yankee Stacking's video went. Uh, we're up to about 13 minutes here almost. And, and, and I understand I'm, I'm going long. Expect this to make, take about 30 minutes at least. Um, but, but I want to, to get this out there. And I'm still on this topic about debt and college education, who's going to do well and who's not going to. And it's going to be those that have skills. Circling back to the topic about debt as a whole, servicing debt is a huge burden on millennials currently, whether it's student loans, whether it's housing, auto loan, credit card, whatever. It is. However, once you get past that that period of servicing that debt, you know, I tell a lot of grad students, or at least some, that, that have a lot of student loan debt that are in a similar boat to myself, that one way or another, it's going to be less of a burden in the future. Now, yes, there's a chance that it could be forgiven by an Elizabeth Warren and Andrew Yang or whoever wins 2020 or 2024 or whatever, right? I'm not banking on that. Uh, even if it would benefit me over the short term financially, I think long term it would be very detrimental. And I covered that in a recent video, very detrimental to the to the U.S. economy. However, I do believe that a major devaluation of debt is is on the way. I'm talking about a 50, 60, 90 percent plus devaluation of debt, largely through devaluation of the U.S. dollar. Right. If, if the U.S. dollar is only worth a tenth of what it's worth right now or, or half of what it is right now, the same is true for that debt. Now, I get it, you know, earning the dollars to, to service or pay off that debt is a little difficult in, in a major recession or depression, but uh, it, it will be devalued, I think, significantly, just a matter of when. But but the I'm fairly certain that it's going to happen. I mean, this is this is my one of my high conviction um, uh, events that I've been predicting for a while now. It's just a, a sort of a matter of when. And so in terms of debt... I'm not as worried about it long term for myself or for others as as some other people are. In the for the time being, it's a huge burden on the US economy and millennials, but long term it's it's gonna become less of a burden. Um but by no means is that, if anything, that's just a silver lining of a ma major devaluation of the U.S. dollar, which I think is going to be 
hugely detrimental to the U.S. economy, to the global economy. So I want to move beyond debt and move into the second topic here and talk about savings. And I think this was actually number one on Yankee stackings uh, uh, points. Savings. Millennials don't have a whole lot of them. And I think that is going to be a problem. I think it's going to be a problem for, for Gen Xers and boomers as well that just haven't saved sufficiently for retirement and they're much, much closer. And if anything, I would say that savings, we're in a better spot than, than boomers and Gen Xers, despite the fact that millennials as a whole have less. Why is that the case? We have more time to save for the big thing to save for in life, and that is retirement. Right? Even if, let's say the recession hits in two years from now, you know the oldest segment of millennials is going to be late 30s. The youngest is going to be early 20s. That leaves plenty of time to save and, and more importantly, adapt to save for retirement. Less time for Gen Xers and for boomers, who many of which will already be in retirement for, for the baby boomer generation. And the problem that I do see kind of across the board is really complacent savings and investments. So going back to that category of, of people that are fairly well off, whether it's trades, working in the trades, or, or people that are, are um, have a very high value degree in, in the STEM fields, as well as healthcare, medicine, etc. Many of those individuals are saving, whether it's 401ks, straight up savings accounts. Uh, I'll ignore precious metals for the time being. Uh, but but savings accounts in, in dollar terms, uh, uh, IRAs, all sorts of different ways to retire for or, or save for retirement. And I think it's very complacent savings. And, and this is a big theme that I really want to expand upon in the future, that doing what's worked in the past is going to fail in the future in terms of saving for retirement. For, for about two generations, maybe three, the baby boomers for sure, maybe a bit before them and a little bit after, saving for retirement was fairly straightforward, right? You just put money in an account young enough at a young enough age, put enough in there and uh, compounding interest through uh, the appreciation value of assets as well as just interest on things like bonds and whatnot did the work for you. And that's not going to be the case for those that are retiring decades from now, at least you know, not during this period of recession and depression. I think that a huge amount of value, not only of the dollar, but also of stocks, of bonds, et cetera, are going to be lost. And I think it's going to massively set back those that do have some sort of tangible uh, savings, uh, largely because of, of complacency. All right. Even moving into the, the third point on, on Yankee Stacking's uh, list, uh, Bitcoin, which I would expand upon and say not just cryptocurrencies, but a, a too much faith or betting too much on on high-risk investments, not just stocks as a whole, but I'm talking like unicorn stocks. I'm talking like, uh, uh, I don't know, Beyond Meat, uh, Tesla, Apple, uh, Amazon, all of those companies, which may be viable, maybe not. You know, Amazon, Apple are in a pretty good spot, but not so much for Beyond Meat or Tesla or WeWork or whatever, which eventually is going to go public. Uh, those types of investments are, I, I think, many millennials, many investors as a whole, are going to get absolutely massacred on. They're going to lose a huge amount of their 401k, a huge amount of their their IRA, their own savings, whatever, through that. This is beyond just the devaluation of the dollar, and it's going to be a massive loss of value in their overall portfolio. And that's why what meager savings many people, I think, have in the millennial group, it's not going to be enough. Now, again, 
not as bad of a position, I think, as boomers and Gen Xers, which are maybe even more complacent and and are maybe they have a larger dollar amount in savings, but but are um, much closer to retirement and, and have less time to adapt after much of those savings will be wiped out, I think, in the next recession. Uh, but still not not a bright point by any means for millennials. And then finally, socialism. I want to take some time to talk about that as well. Millennials as a whole are geared towards socialism. Certainly I'm not. Many of my, my friends and whatnot are not. They understand the dangers of it. But as a whole, I mean, don't get me wrong. You know, I think the, the, the number uh, uh, Yankee cited was something like 4 to 10 or 43% or something of Americans embrace some form of socialism. You know, the number is much, much higher than that. Baby boomers embrace socialism. Right, because when it comes down to it, things like Medicare, Social Security, uh, uh, and and many other very widespread and and long-standing government programs are socialistic in nature. That's that's a fact in the matter, and and I think they may not realize it, but but they are in some way or shape or form benefiting, or not, I won't say benefiting, but but um, embracing socialism, right? But millennials as a whole are more so embracing this this more blatant socialism that's being pushed by the likes of Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, Andrew Yang, uh, most Democratic nominees, um, maybe with the exception of, of Joe Biden. And, and I think that's dangerous as well. I think before, first of all, I'll put it this way, I think before the 2020 election, we're going to be in a recession. Uh, I don't think Trump's going to win the next election. I could be wrong. And that's not by any means a political statement. That's just me saying that, plainly speaking, the Democrats, I think, are going to win the next election. And it is, it is going to usher in a, a new wave of real blatant socialism uh, that that is is going to be, I think, extremely damaging to the U.S. economy. It's going to take the shape, of form, shape and form of, of things like uh, student loan forgiveness, which I've already sort of talked about, but it's going to extend far beyond that. I'm talking high taxes on on the wealthy or on wealthy, I should say, successful corporations. It's going to take the form of free education, more government programs, uh, redistribution of wealth, uh, and I can go on and on and on. Uh, more and more regulations, right? And as a whole, I, I think that is going to be damaging and that is going to be something that is going to be detrimental to millennials uh, uh, finances in the next recession. Um, it's really going to impede those that don't adapt uh, their ability to to pull themselves out of this next recession, uh, whether that be out of poverty or just a decreased uh, standard of living. And, and that is something that uh, doesn't necessarily worry me. Um, I'm, I'm more than prepared for it, uh, mentally at least, and, and I, I don't get worried about a whole lot of this stuff uh, because ultimately my my hope, my faith, my my uh, uh, future is is in God's hands, and I don't really worry about a whole lot of this stuff. But it is something I anticipate having a huge detrimental effect on the U.S. in the future and our finances, and it's going to go hand in hand with with uh, increased deficits, increased valuation of the dollar. And don't get me wrong; I mean, if Trump wins, if if Republicans hold. Uh, uh, the government for the next, the White House, the Senate, House, whatever, for the next four years, for the next eight years, whatever, a lot of this stuff is still going to happen in terms of devaluation of the dollar. I mean, a lot of this is, is almost set in stone. But socialist agenda is probably going to speed that up. 
And, and it's not going to end well. And, and I think it is time that millennials, as well as other generations, prepare for that, that socialism. But again, it's not something that is super high in my list. It's going to happen, sure. But I think as a whole, millennials are screwed anyways. Much of, of the U.S. population is screwed anyways in the next recession. So what can you do to prepare if you are a millennial, if you're between the ages of 20 and 35, to prepare for the next recession? Well, first of all, I mean, obviously, precious metals are part of it. Save in precious metals. You're going to preserve your wealth. You're going to increase the value, not just dollar terms, but but purchasing power of those assets of, of silver and gold, uh, I believe. And of course, don't take any of this as investment advice. This is just kind of broad, my, my thoughts on it. But precious metals are a big piece of it. But I don't think they're necessary. I'm not going to get to every single millennial out there with this message. Uh, however, it is going to help those that, that are reached by this. It's not going to be necessary. There's going to be millennials that, that do very well without it, but it's going to be helpful. Uh, beyond that, create value and gain experience while you can. Uh, gain skills and, and become adaptable. Mentally prepare yourself for losing your job or having to totally uh, shift careers. Adapt in the next recession. Um, if you are one of those individuals that find yourself with a fairly, I'll use the term worthless or, or not very valuable degree or education, despite the, the, the dollar uh, price of it, the price tag of it, uh, don't be afraid to, to move away from your philosophy major, right? Uh, you can still use those, those, that education to, to move into a different field. Um, but, but find something that's going to have value during and after the next recession. I'm not saying go out and get another degree in engineering or something like that. I don't think you necessarily need that. I think we we all could surprise ourselves with the resourcefulness. I mean, millennials as a whole are a, when they're put to, to the task, can be a very resourceful group of people. Very bright, very creative, right? There's a lot of good things to say about millennials. But you have to mentally prepare yourself, Right? Complacency, I think, will will uh, complacency kills when it, when it comes to preparing for the next recession. Not literally, but but you have to become adaptable, and you have to understand that what worked for past generations is not going to work for your for your generation, for our generation, and that you have to shift, make a shift out of of things like like traditional retirement uh, plans and 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 all of that. Again, don't take any of this as an retirement or investment advice. I'm just saying that 401ks, IRAs, the stock market, you know, all those traditional ways to save or invest for retirement are probably not going to work out super great in the future. You need to treat your your financial future as as a how many times have I use this analogy in the past? As if you're cooking some you're grilling some salmon or some fish on the grill. This is something that you want to tend to and be very careful with. Because if you leave it on that grill for too long, you're going to burn it. You're going to dry it out, whatever. Uh, cooking fish on a grill can, can I don't know if I ever have, right? Uh, but I've just heard that's a very um, tedious process. You have to be very mindful of what's going on. And it's very much the antithesis to doing something like a crock pot meal where you throw it in there and you leave it all day in the crock pot. And if you take it out five hours later or six or seven hours later, there's not a huge difference in your finished product right? That's how 
investing for retirement, saving for retirement has worked for past generations. It's a crock pot. They throw the money in and it gains interest. But we're moving away from that model. And the sooner you realize that, the sooner you adapt, I think the better off you'll be in the future. And yeah, part of that's going to be precious metals. But part of that is understanding that, uh, you know, those tools that have worked in the past are, are going to be much less effective over this this coming period of recession or economic depression. Uh, and ultimately, I mean, that's that would be my best advice. Find skill, be adaptable, you know, be creative, uh, open up your horizons beyond your, your current space. I mean, if you are in that category of, of STEM fields, of trades and whatnot, uh, I, you are by no means set. Don't be complacent. Don't feel that you have job security or anything like that. Have a backup plan, right? Um, but you are going to be better off, even despite the, the, the debt that you may or may not carry. However, those of you that, I, that are in sort of lower value jobs, service jobs and whatnot, don't take this as me saying like your job or you as a person are worthless. That's not at all the case. Again, millennials as a, as a, as a generation, very resourceful, very creative, very adaptable when we want to be or when we, we realize we have to be. And so if you are working at Walmart, if you are a bartender, if you are a waitress, understand that you have very low job security. But that doesn't mean that you're screwed. You have more than enough time still to adapt, to gain other skills, to to move out of your comfort zone and, and find other career outlets uh, let's let's get rid of the term career for the time being because you know career uh, evokes an idea of, of decades in a certain field. Um, we have to be adaptable, right? But but be open to other opportunities, gain skills, become a bit of an entrepreneur. And I'm not talking about like an Instagram entrepreneur where you go out and take pictures of of yourself in a Lamborghini and you try and start some stupid marketing scheme, pyramid scheme whatever. No, that's as a whole, that doesn't work for the vast, vast majority of people. I'm talking, find some other small business that you can start. Think big, but but understand you're going to be starting small. And I don't know exactly what that's going to entail. Maybe it has to do with the internet. Maybe it has to do with social media. And those are going to be some of your outlets for, for expanding your reach. Maybe it's going to be something like what I do, right? A podcast, a, a YouTube channel, right? Maybe that's going to be very effective for you. Uh, I don't know, but get creative, right? And 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 find something uh, that you're passionate about, something that you can be very knowledgeable about, something that you can at least gain knowledge about, and and start learning. Use YouTube. Use the resources that you have on the internet to to branch out beyond just what you're doing right now, and and hopefully build a, a bit of a, a new income stream, a new uh, durable. Uh, um, career or job for yourself uh, before you quit your current one and before we head into the next recession and or economic depression. Millennials are screwed for the next recession. Don't get me wrong. But let's not make generalizations about millennials as a whole. As I said, we can be very adaptable, very creative. There's a lot of flaws with our, with us, even myself, you know. Um, but as a whole, I don't think that there's no hope for our generation or, or hope for many individuals in our generation. Just a matter of waking up now and, and, and losing that complacency and becoming more adaptable and understanding that what's worked in the past is very unlikely to work in the future. 
Hashtag uh, Millennials for Silver. That's a hashtag that Yankee's trying to get started here. And, and, and certainly I appreciate the work he's done here on YouTube. I'd encourage you to check out his channel. I'll put a link down below in the description to this own video that, his own video on this topic. Stay tuned for future videos that hopefully won't go 31 plus minutes on the topic of, of why boomers and Gen Xers are screwed in the next recession and why Gen Z's, uh, Gen Zers, uh, have more than enough time, I think, to adapt and whatnot, but but they're going to certainly uh, have a lot of difficulty in the future as well. As always, I'd like to thank you guys from the bottom of my heart for, for watching this video, listening to this podcast, and God bless.